I don't like to be understudied in the sense that I don't like to study less than I need to. But I also don't want to, you know, just I don't want to squeeze every last drop of blood, you know, out (laughs) of the turnip. I like to leave space and I like there to be margin because there is a moment that's happening between a preacher and the Lord and the congregation that's only going to happen, in my opinion, in that particular moment. Um, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit isn't at work in our prep. I mean, he is for sure. And that's why I'm, I'm all about being prepared. But I also like leaving space and leaving margin and gap to see what might emerge, what might surface in the heart in those moments where there is some energy and there is maybe a shift of focus because you're looking in the eyes of somebody in the congregation who is suffering. And I feel like if I'm so doggedly prepared, it's almost like I'm up there lecturing, just starting at minute one, getting to minute 37, and then just wrapping it up. And for me, and again, the way I'm wired, there's an academic quality to that, that I, I see a lot of guys, you know, kind of moving in and out of that. I'm just, I'm really, I'm, I'm very leery of, if that makes sense. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 181. I'm your host, Mike Neglia, and the guest for this week is Ronnie Martin. Ronnie is the pastor of Substance Church in Ashland, Ohio. He also is the co-host of the Art of Pastoring podcast, and he has a lot of like honest and self-reflective wisdom for you and for me. Uh, We speak about the weekly rhythms of sermon preparation, uh, but more than that, we also talk about starting new series and how to pick a new book or a new theme as we end one series and start the next one. Personally, I really benefited from what he had to say. Um, He also speaks about just the spontaneity of the spirit um, as you're preaching face-to-face with your congregation and the ways that the spirit brings certain truths to your mind right there on the spot. Uh, It's a great conversation. I'm going to get out of your way and let you hear it. Uh, Make sure that you do check out our website, expositorscollective.com, for information about our upcoming in-person training event, which is taking place in Colorado Springs, Colorado, on September 17th and 18th. I hope that you're able to make it to that, and I hope that you enjoy this conversation. I hope that this podcast and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's Word. Well, hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I'm here with Ronnie Martin. Ronnie, good good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Um, so uh, I'm speaking to you from Ireland, and you are responding to me in Ohio. Is that is that right? I think we got that right. Yeah. Okay. Well, you said that you were on holiday. You're on vacation, so I was wondering, maybe are you are you traveling abroad? Are you on one of the other? Yeah, I was uh, was in Georgia and then back in Ohio now. Yeah, for a little staycation. So, yep. Well, thanks for taking time out of your your staycation to talk to us about preaching. Happy to do it. Well, hey, here's here's the first question. We always start this way. Um, Ronnie, can you can you bring us into your first sermon that you ever you ever preached? Uh, I know you've preached a lot since then, but what was your first? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I'm not sure. I remember the topic. I think it was centered around prayer. Okay. And it was to a college and career group. And it was one of those Wednesday night kind of things where they, I was doing a, some other kinds of ministry and they asked me to come in and I'd never done it. And, uh, I said, sure, let me see if I can put something together. And I, I did. And, uh, the senior pastor caught wind that I was doing it. Um, and he wanted to step in and listen. So it added a little extra pressure to what I was yeah. doing. Yeah. And I, I just remember it being something that I I love to do. I wasn't incredibly uh, good or clear in my delivery. Um, it went on a, a tad too long, and I remember having a lot of people come up with a with a sort of, with that sort of uh, awe. You, you did such a great job. You tried so hard. Look in their eyes. And, uh, and me wanting so much more affirmation than that and not being able to receive it, but also, you know, allowing myself to go, Hey, you have a lot of room to grow. And, uh, but I'm glad I stepped into it because it was a, it was a big moment for me in that, in that particular time. So. 
Yeah. Um, did, did they clap at the end? <laughs> no, they didn't clap. This was a, this was a very quiet group. Okay. Which well then it, it couldn't, it couldn't have been that bad. I, I find, I find when, when there's a polite round of applause at the end of a sermon, I think, oh, that means it was really bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a very clappy, uh, it wasn't a very clappy culture or congregation. So it was just sort of a, a nodding of the head. Maybe if I, if I, that was probably the most demonstrative response I got. Right. So, yeah. Okay. And you mentioned that the, the, the pastor came, came to, to sit in on it. Uh, was, was it, was it your pastor? Was, were you at your church or were you visiting somewhere else? No, it was my church. Yeah. And, um, I, the, the lead pastor had sort of, we've taught, we had talked about preaching for a while and he had really been kind of encouraging me because he thought maybe I, you know, even though I hadn't done it, I'd been, you know, leading worship and doing other things. So he said, I really think maybe you, you, you know, it might be something you need to explore. And I, and I had a, I had a high desire to do it. I just hadn't had the opportunity. So when he sat down to listen, there was this part of me that thought, I wish you weren't here right now because it, because I, you know, I, I feel a little under duress and you've just sort of heightened my anxiety a little bit, but um, he was really kind and really encouraging. And uh, it's like anything else that you do for the first time. Um, it's just such an experience. And, you know, the only thing you usually remember is how bad it went, but it, probably, it probably went a little bit better than I'm thinking in my mind. And obviously, um, you know, it didn't change the world and, you know, and at the same time, it probably changed me a little bit as, as, as God was using that to move me forward into becoming a preacher. So. Okay. And, and when did you become a preacher, uh, instead of a, a, someone who preached, preached occasionally, yeah, gosh, my story is it's very scattered because um, I was I was doing quite a bit of preaching before I became like a, a staff preacher. Um, I was doing college and career groups, so that became something I was doing very often. Then I was doing a Sunday morning Bible study class, like a Sunday school class, but it was a Sunday school class that was pure preaching. It was just there's people sitting in the chairs and you are literally delivering a message. And then everybody gets up and you exit kind of a thing. So it was Sunday school, but it was very, but it was very preachy. So I, I did that for some years before I had sort of any sort of formal role up front. Then I was in a preaching rotation uh, in a larger church um, to where I, I, I was doing Sunday school classes. And then I was preaching intermittently on Sunday mornings uh, in the main service. And so it just was all over the place before, you know, I got into a regular weekly, I'm the lead pastor of a church preaching every week kind of a thing. Yeah. Which was a good thing too, now, by the way. You're the first person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're the first person that's actually um, talked about like um, Sunday school class. Mm. Um, now maybe it's just like a different like denominational uh, background or uh, at least in the networks that I've been part of um, adult Sunday school classes has not been something that, that we do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, can, can you can you explain what that is or enlighten an, an ignorant person like me like what is an adult Sunday school class yeah so I mean this was a this was a more traditional church and so um, they hadn't actually established small groups or community groups like the way we think of them in most churches to where they're midweek uh -huh. you know Bible studies or, or community groups um, so they were still doing a model where they had all of these um, they're just called adult they're called ABS adult Bible study fellowships. And it's just, they, they're kind of like small groups, but on Sunday morning in between services. And um, they're different in the sense that they're far more teachy and preachy than they are what we think of as, as a community group model, which is more of a discussion-based thing where we may ask a couple of questions and everybody kind of feeds in. This was way more just about sitting under um, just another person's preaching other than the lead pastor, of which you were getting ready to go sit in one of those services. And, um, but it was also a way to have some, some smaller group time and fellowship, but it wasn't really about a discussion time. So I, I, that's kind of where I, I learned a lot of my initial step in, into, uh, just the preaching format, which was good because it was small, you know, it was, um, it, it would almost be like a small church. It was like 30 people some, you know, 30 to 50 people. So it was kind of like really learning in, in a particular format where there wasn't as much pressure for sure. Um, because you know, it wasn't a formal liturgy, there wasn't worship. It was just kind of step in, 
have a time of prayer, preach the sermon, pray, fellowship, and you're out. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, both of us actually just finished reading um, Jonathan Pennington's book about small preaching. He has a little, a little chapter in there about the difference between teaching and preaching. Um, would you say, this is, again, this is me as an outsider. I'm imagining is a Sunday school, is an ABS, is it a bit more teaching than preaching? Or is it just a second sermon, a bonus sermon that they get in addition to the lead pastor's main sermon? It's a great question. I really think it depends on the ABF leader. You know, so I preached through Colossians. You know, I did a, I forget how long it was, series through Colossians. So that, you know, I would have considered that preaching. And then we were also able to maybe do, you know, teach through a book or, you know, just like a, like a Pennington book or, or something like a Christian living book. Um, so it was really, it was sort of a dealer's choice thing, but I, I didn't really know I didn't really know what to do, so I would just grab a, a short book of the Bible, you know, a, one of Paul's letters, and just you know, let's make our way through this over the next few months, kind of a thing. Um, so for me, it definitely was. It, there was some moments of teaching, depending on what we were going through, but it was primarily preaching, really, for me. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for this little little diversion. Uh, so maybe a follow up question on that before we 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 motor on. But so does your does your church now, Substance Church? Uh, do you have uh, adult Bible study or, or, um, adult Sunday school? No, we never did that. It was really, like I said that, I mean, that's definitely an older model. Um, some churches still do it. Some older churches do it. Um, but we don't, we, uh, we actually are a very simple model. We just do Sunday morning gatherings and then midweek community groups, which are more discussion oriented than sort of teaching oriented. So yeah, that's kind of our format. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is quite popular now and works for us. Right. And <laughs> sure. I yeah. It, yeah. I think it's great. Um, thank you so much for that. Thanks for that little, little diversion. So, so your first sermon was kind of a, it's probably like a topical look at, at prayer. And, and then I've heard that you've gotten into like a working your way through Colossians. Maybe, um, what are some like moments of like growth or how has your che- um, teaching or preaching like progressed or changed um, since those early days? Yeah, I think, you know, you know, I really believe preaching comes out of a person's, you know, personality makeup. And so I'm somebody who, um, I, I am very uncomfortable if I feel overprepared for something. And and that has been, that's been a bit of an Achilles heel for me in my preaching life. Um, so I think one of the things that I did early on was, um, I overprepared to the point to where my, my whole emphasis was just to get everything right, which again is a good emphasis. I think that is right. Um, but I think I, I, I think I put myself in a position where some of the ways that God has made me and built me and wired me weren't able to come out because I lacked maturity and experience. And so I think what I learned in the early days is I, as I'm learning about how to preach and how to, how to be, how to, how to create clarity how to be studied in the word. Mm-hmm. I also needed to figure out a way that my how my personality fit into that so that I could be a person that's not just sort of mindlessly up there, you know, reading a sermon or preaching a sermon, but what is the way in which God has made me so that this sermon comes out in a way that is that is also going to be uh unique to to how God has wired me. And that there, there were moments early in my early days where I would sort of lock into that and then pull out of that because there's a lot of fear in preaching, especially in the early days mm-hmm. when, you, when you're trying to find your voice. And I think finding my voice was definitely a, a journey and a process. It took years to finally discover that, man, I, I can be the preacher God has called me to be, not the preacher he's called these four preachers I really love to be. You know, And I think that we, I think that we finally... We finally, um, we finally mature and and grow into that moment. So I think early on, some of the I think some of the big things that that happened to me was just simplifying, creating very very clear outlines, and spending time on the front end really figuring out you know what the the point of the text is, maybe what the big idea is, and maybe getting some you know some some good bullet points that's going to help me structure what it is that the author's trying to say and i think the more yeah. time i spent doing that the more um sermon prep and preaching in general just became more intuitive and and simple and it allowed me to be me up there as well if that makes sense 
Okay. So if if you aren't you up there, then who are you? Who were you? Who who was the the default uh, persona that was up there that you've finally shed? I mean, it just you just would have to ask me whose podcast I listened to that week. You know, okay. I, almost. Okay. I mean, so you know, it's like you. I think you you draw really good inspiration from preachers that you like. I think the problem is is that it's like anything else. It's like somebody that starts a band, right? And maybe they're, they have a lot of, uh, they have a lot of natural giftings to be a good songwriter and a good performer, but until they develop who they are, they're really just going to be a bit of a copy of their favorite artists. And I think preaching is the same way. So if you're listening to, I don't know, you know, if you're listening to, uh, you know, for me, it would have been, you know, any, anybody from Tim Keller to, uh, you know, you know, RC Sproul, to, uh, you know, um, gosh, I don't know, Crawford Loritz to John Piper. Um, I don't know. I blank out when I have to think up names, but like, so I, you know, there, there probably was a little bit too much. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there you go. So there's probably a little too much influence coming in from those guys. So I, I think, yeah, I, I think that was part of the struggle was, man, I love the way that this guy presents things in this kind of voice, this kind of tone. I love the way he frames words and phrases things. And then you find yourself just instead of thinking for yourself, um, you're trying to adopt a particular language that somebody that God has given somebody else and not necessarily you. And to grow past that just takes, right. I think it just takes time, you know? Yeah. And, and they have the confidence to speak in that voice because that's theirs. And then also there's a bit of a th- authority that comes, let's say even from their education or from their suffering or from the life that's brought them up there that allows them to say things a certain way. That Absolutely. sounds just unconvincing when, when it comes from a, you know, 26 year old uh, young man that's, that's trying really hard to come off as really profound yes. or like a real seasoned sufferer when it's like, you know, buddy, you haven't suffered very much yet. Yeah, and don't, don't sure. try to imply that you have. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think that's so true is that you, um, you know, um, you have to live some life so that you can, you can preach from a life that has, um, that, that, that others can be, that others can draw from having lived, you know? And I, and I think that's, it just takes time. Mm-hmm. And, um, it also takes time to learn how to preach from a life lived. Um, so, you know, you can be a guy that starts preaching at 50 years old and you've probably lived some life and you've experienced some suffering, but you're also going to learn, you're also going to have to learn what it looks like to preach as somebody who's coming from that place rather than somebody who's standing on the outside of that place looking in. And I think all of that stuff, you know, is it, it takes time and maturity um, for all of those things, I think, to come together and then to come out. So come together as a whole and then be able to filter out as we, you know, as we preach the word. So. Hmm. Yeah. I, I like that image of, yeah, like a, like a tide pool, you know, like it comes and fills in and then, and yeah. then it, it comes out. You said it better. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, there's, there's a way, I guess, where we can, where we could be like, so like self-disclosing all the time, or maybe just mm-hmm. constantly referring back to our life of hardship or suffering, but then being able to know how to, how to, to interweave enough of our story, enough of our, of our lived experience in a way that overlaps or interacts with the passage that's not cramming it in there. And that's maybe something that comes at time as well too. Yeah, that's good. Okay. So, so one of the ways that you've grown is that you've, yeah, you, you, skate. you mentioned kind of like finding, becoming more comfortable in your own skin or your own voice, but you specifically said that you, you don't over-prepare. Um, so over-preparing caused you to be a less authentic version of, of Ronnie Martin, you think? I think so. And I, and I, there's, there's probably some qualification that, that needs to be said there. I think, you know, I don't like to be overstudied. Um, and what I mean by that is I don't like to be understudied in the sense that I don't like to study less than I need to, but I also don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to drip, you know, just, I don't want to squeeze every last drop of blood, you know, out (laughs) of the turnip, so to speak. Um, and I, I think I like to, this is my personality though, in that I like to leave space and I like there to be margin. I like, because there is a moment that's happening 
between a preacher and the Lord and the congregation. That's only going to happen, in my opinion, in that particular moment. Um, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit isn't at work in our prep. I mean, he is for sure. And that's why I'm, I'm all about being prepared. But I also like leaving space and leaving margin and gap to see um, what might emerge, what might surface in the heart in those moments where there is some energy and there is there is maybe a shift of focus because you're looking in the eyes of somebody in the congregation who is suffering or God draws somebody five rows back, three chairs in to your mind as you're looking out and you're hitting a particular moment in a passage. Um, I, I really like to leave space for the possibility of those things uh, to happen. And I feel like if I'm so doggedly prepared, um, it's almost like I'm up there lecturing, just starting at minute one, getting to minute 37, and then just wrapping it up. And I, that for me, and again, the way I'm wired, um, that would, there's, there's an academic quality to that, that I, I see a lot of guys, you know, kind of moving in and out of that. I'm just, I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm very leery of. So if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, here's, here's kind of a follow-up question on that. I would love to hear maybe the unique challenge that you and people like you felt during, you know, let's say the early months of, of COVID when <laughs> right. you weren't able to, to, when there was nobody in the third row, um, five seats in, um, how, how like was that probably, it was, it was hard for everybody. I'm going to, I'm going to admit, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. hard for everybody yeah. in a variety of experiences, but yet, uh, for you, preaching to a video camera in an empty room. How, how did you manage that without having that eye contact with your people? Yeah. I, for me, it was one of the worst spaces to be in. Cause I, I just, I feed off of the energy and the response of people and it's, mm -hmm. it's just how God has made me. And, um, so yes, just preaching into a camera was, um, it just felt lifeless. You know, there were those moments where, you know, you, you really felt like, Hey, I, I, man, I, I, I really need the Lord to, you know, um, provide me with some energy and some emotion because it's not going to come in the more natural ways that he provides that in a, you know, while you're, while you're preaching. And so it was just a slog, you know, it was just, it was sort of like, you know, it was, it was having a big backpack, you know, on, you know, slogging through the Sahara desert, you know, in, on a hundred degree day. And that's how it felt to me. Um, and again, I grew into it a little bit. But it felt like acting, um, and it felt like something where I was putting on airs, and I was being something I was supposed to be, much more than I could be. Yeah. I felt like who God made me to be the more authentic version of myself. Because I like people, I like preaching to people, and to not be able to see their eyes, and to see their expressions, and to see those head nods, and to hear those hmms and those amens. Right. Oh, it, it's just it was it was claustrophobic. It just felt claustrophobic, yeah. Wow, what an interesting way to describe it when you in an empty room is probably the absolute opposite of, of claustrophobia. Uh, there's nobody pressing in on you. But uh, yeah, it's it's a very confining situation though, isn't it? Yeah, it, it very much felt that way. I know it was, a, it was a bit of a paradox there for sure. So yeah. Well, I sure hope we never have to do it again. Oh, amen, amen. Yeah. Yeah, nobody nobody liked it. And again, it's hard for everybody. I'm sure us preachers are like, oh, it was so hard for us. I'm sure that like, you know, people that worked in COVID wards were like, yeah, buddy, it's hard for me too. Um, so certainly want to want to caveat our complaints about the challenges that that we experienced. Yeah, just uh, in right in our in our particular lane, yes, it was something yeah. that was uncomfortable. And I right. think um, I also think God used that discomfort. So it was probably a really good exercise for all of us to become reshaped and refocused in a lot of ways. So for whatever reason, God said, I'm going to have you preaching to a camera for the next year or so. And that's what we all did. And who knows how God used that. So we can trust him for that. Yeah. Yes. Yes, we do. Um, so I'm, I'm, I, um, have been catching up or, or listening to the substance church, like, uh, podcast feed. Mm. And I noticed that you finished James recently. And then now it's kind of the, you know, Ronnie is on vacation mode. So there's a lot of kind of guest preachers coming in and out and you're going to be coming back soon. And I assume starting a new series or, or a new book. Um, this is a question that I actually haven't asked yet. Um, mm. what's your process like of like picking a book? 
how, what do you, what are you going to do after James and how did you decide what to do? Oh man, I wish I had a, I wish I had a, a process. So maybe if you have a process, you can clue me in. <laughs> um, you know, gosh, I, it's so, I'm constantly praying about this. Um, I've never been very good at it. Um, and, but it's something that's always on my mind. Like it is for most of us, what am I going to do next? And so I'm constantly just writing down ideas for a a book or a series, or I might hear something that Mm kind of, you know, um, kind of perks my ears up. And so, but there's, there's nothing incredibly formulaic about it. I mean, I, I, I would like to think I try to do the, you know, preach a new Testament book then preach an old Testament book. Um, but I haven't done that as well. We've definitely camped out more in the new Testament you know, in the last eight years, um, which is the life of the church at this point. But, um, you know, gosh, I, you know, summer's always an interesting time. So we finished James. Um, I got a few Sundays off here in June for vacation. Uh, and so when I bring people in, I always try to give them dealer's choice, um, you know, so it makes it easy for a guest to come in and kind of do something that they've done. Sure. Um, for July, I'm just going to do a three-week series through Psalm 116, um, which is a Thanksgiving song. And there's a line in the Psalm that says, return to rest, O my soul. And I thought that was really something for us that felt fitting um, coming out of the pandemic and all of our restrictions being lifted. And I want to talk about what it looks like for our soul to enter this time of, of rest, even though a lot of us would say we've had nothing but rest. Um, so just to break down what, what, that, what that soul rest actually looks like. So we'll do basically a month in July through that. And then August is always a, um, it's always a time where, where everybody's kind of in and out and yeah. we always do a, we call that standalone sermon month. So we don't have anything other than let's see what, what we would, you know, let's figure out what we want to preach on a week to week basis. It doesn't have to be incredibly tied together or anything. And we usually have some guest preachers in August as well. So yeah. we do that. And then we, we sort of pick up in September, usually with a new book. And this year, we're actually going to be preaching more of a, of a topical series, kind of focusing on um, the church. And so I, that's, that's very been loosely planned for September. And then uh, October, November, we're going to do Romans chapter 8, talk about the love of God. And then we always do an Advent series in December. I, I hear that you really like Advent. So I love it. Yeah, it's my favorite time of the year. Yeah. I wonder if you've written any books about it. <laughs> I've written one for kids and I'm writing one for adults right now that's coming out next year. Okay. Happy to give you a plug. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, yeah, so I'm a little more planned than I thought out now that you asked me. I'm just, I haven't been thinking about it a lot. Um, yeah. And then, and then January, we're going to do a series through Exodus, basically just on the life of Moses. So it won't be a, it'll be basically going through, it'll chop up Exodus a little bit, but it's going to primarily be focused on the life of Moses, and then we'll end with the Ten Commandments, a series through that. So we'll spend some time there. And I think that's as far as I've gotten. Yeah. Well, I think you owe me an apology because you said that you're not very good at planning. And, and turns out you're incredibly good at, at planning. Well, I said I'm not good at planning. It does, I didn't say I didn't plan. I just said I'm not great at it. Because you know what? Okay. I'm also of the opinion that at a moment's notice, I will shift that and change it. And I, and I do. So, okay. That's just stuff I got written down. It could change. Well, that's useful even to hear, you know, kind of that, what, I'm bad at math, but what, seven, eight month overview of, of yeah. what you're doing. How, how do you come up with those though? So do you, do you go on a retreat and come back with the calendar filled? Do you talk about it with the elders? Is this kind of like a you and your wife conversation? How have you picked uh, Psalm 116, Romans 8, uh, Exodus? Where do they, where do they come from? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think, so I'm always thinking of little things that, you know, we haven't touched on, whether it's like, hey, we've never done a series on rest, or we've never done a series specifically on, say, suffering, or something of that nature, because we're mostly preaching through books of the Bible. And if they touch on those themes, then we do. But there's never yeah. a focus. So I'm always thinking of, I always have some of those themes in mind or on paper. And then something like I'm reading, you know, I, I you know, I do a daily, you know, read the Bible through a year plan. I've been doing that for years. And then I come upon something like Psalm 16 and I'm like, okay, this Psalm is all about rest and thanksgiving and loving and praising God. And so that theme of rest that I've been thinking of, I think, I wonder if I could break this down a few ways over the course of a month and, and, you know, um, do something that's going to 
thematically hit that a little bit more than we have. And then it did. And so, uh, you know, it, it was, it, it ended up, you know, coming to fruition, but I think honestly, it's just that it's that daily reading through the word and just jotting things down as I'm going through different books. And, um, I think that's really been the biggest help or, you know, um, the life of Moses series came about cause I was in, uh, man, I was in, where was I? I was at a conference and I was just talking to a friend and, uh, and he told me what I was thinking, man, I really want to do some old Testament stuff. He said, yeah, we're doing this life of Moses thing. And, and so we just got into a great conversation and it just kind of sparked something. And I said, you know, that sounds great. I would, I think I would love to do that. So I've just been sort of looking into that and fleshing that out a, a little bit. And, um, so yeah, conversations with other people and, yeah. um, and then just all, you know, also asking the question of like, where, where's our church at right now? And Lord, what would be, you know, a lot of this has to be, I mean, all of this has to be bathed in prayer in the sense that you go, now, what are the pain points right now, um, with our particular congregation and what is something that would be really just, um, renewing for them to, uh, to look at, you know, in, in God's word. And so that's just kind of loosely how I, how I look at it. I wish I had something a little more. I know other guys are like, they're planned for five years. They have the next six months where the sermons already wrapped. And I just go, I don't know that world. You know, that is not a world I, I operate in. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was telling you before we hit record, but I'm I'm wrapping up the the Gospel of John. See, I, I know oh, that yeah. in September we're gonna do kind of like a like a Calvary Cork values series, mm. which we've actually never done. Um, and so I figure it's it's time and don't wanna no don't wanna waste it over the summer because most people aren't gonna be there anyway. So saving until, you know, some kind of big debut in September. Gotcha. And 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 I'm kinda like I don't know. It's, it's, it's humiliating to say this out loud, but like, I'm just kind of trying to stretch out John's gospel for as long as I can, but I know that I probably can't stretch it out between now and September. So <laughs> I, I'm, I have to do something between the conclusion of John's gospel and then the start of this, of this series. So I've got an idea or two, but seeing as how, yeah, I, I figured I'd ask you that kind of for my own, like so much of this podcast is just me selfishly getting advice from people mm. and other people like to listen too. So I'm, I'm glad that other people benefit from my, my lack of preparation or my like begging for advice from well, people. Well, no, and I think, you know, I, I think there's, um, we, I think we talked about this off the air for a minute, but man, there's a lot of anxiety I think that comes with, man, what, I, what am I going to preach next? And, mm. you know, so I think all, I think I've never talked to a pastor that doesn't struggle with that. And, and I, yeah, I don't know, I would, I would be, I would be, you know, questioning the pastors that don't struggle with that. I think we're supposed to struggle with that. Um, just in the way that we struggle in in our sermon prep, you know, um, it's it's supposed to sure. be a struggle. And um, for me, one of the defaults that I have, though, I love the Psalms. I I read through them constantly. I just do a I have a constant loop through the Psalms. So I, for me, my go to if I need a, a month or a couple of weeks, if I need something, I I will typically always go rather than pick sort of a passage in Corinthians or you know, in Romans or something of that nature, I'll typically go to the Psalms. And that's, that's just a personal thing. That's just something, um, that's an enjoyable thing. And there's just so much richness and humanity in the Psalms. And that's why it's a sort of a fallback for me in preaching for sure. Maybe too much, but yeah. I, in fact, I'm probably I'm probably going to. I'm thinking of maybe doing like the Psalms of Lament or or doing mm. the thing mm. on Lament. Um, but yet, I just I feel sorry for the Psalms because they're just everyone's summer go to <laughs> like filler, <laughs> and there's so much more than that. But yet, I yeah, uh, that's but it's true. Most of them do do stand alone. Um, you know, there's there's probably there's themes that kind of go maybe from psalm to psalm, but they also are a good standalone one that if your people are going to be in and out, uh, that's okay. Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> okay. Hey, so what like what's your like weekly rhythm look like? Uh, so if, if, thanks for giving us kind of like that kind of year overview of like what your your eight months worth of sermons are going to look like, but you know. Uh, Sunday is coming. What does your your week look like? What are the the, the non negotiable steps that are going to be there, no matter what? Like you do strike me as kind of a sporadic guy, but like I'm sure there's probably like rhythms of orders that you do um, to to get towards that finished product of the sermon. Actually, no, you you would say it's not a finished product until it happens, until there's that in that moment thing of the preacher, the congregation, and the Lord that happens. But yet, how do you come up with your your notes, your your final draft yeah. of your notes? 
Well, I think that, yeah, I do always say that a, a sermon is never finished until it's preached. And even then you could still, you can still tweak it, you know? Mm-hmm. So a sermon really is never finished. Um, it's just, at some point we got to stand up there and, and preach it, you know? Yeah. Um, because we could, we could tweak it literally forever for eternity. Oh, I know. That was one of the hardest parts of, um, of pandemic preaching. It would yeah. be like, I would be alone in my office, you know, with the video camera and it's like, well, should I go now? Well, let me just tweak it a little more. Let me tweak it a little more. Let me tweak it a little more. And then I would just tweak it a little more for like an hour and a half, two hours. And, and then eventually it's like, oh, the sun's going down. So I better <laughs> preach this. But when there's not kind of the pressure of like, well, this is, you know, this is the last song and I have to get up there next. So yeah, I totally agree. It's never done. It just is time to preach it. And when it's me alone with a video camera, I'll stretch that out until the very last minute. Yeah. And that's a really great point. You know, um, you know, I work really, I work better under pressure and under deadlines. It's just, it's, I like the energy of that, believe it or not. Um, but I, you know, I'm in a really overextended time in my life right now. So right now, um, preaching is my sermon prep is in a, is in a, a little bit of a different place than it usually is. So right now what it looks like is on Sunday afternoons, I'll, um, you know, after I've had a, a nap and something to eat and I've, I can let my mind sort of clear a little bit, I'll dive into next week's passage and I'll spend um, however long I spend really, um, you know, doing some observational work, um, creating some kind of an outline that'll probably change, but will be pretty close, hopefully, to what it's going to be on Sunday and I do all of that to prepare something for my uh, worship leader so that he can begin his process yeah. on, on Monday morning. And um, so that I do, I do a big bulk of my, of my prep on Sunday afternoon right now, just so that I have something for my worship leader and I can get my head kind of working around either the theme or what the outline might be. And then right now, um, what happens is, is I go all through the week doing all the stuff that I have to do. Um, occasionally if the Lord surfaces something, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll jot something down, but I don't do any really concentrated work back into the sermon until Saturday morning where I start filling in the blanks of, of the outline and maybe some of the notes that I've sporadically taken during the week. And then really the, where it all comes together is I wake up about four in the morning on Sunday and I have a really heavy compressed probably three and a half hour moment of sermon prep there where finally I know it's coming. I can see, I I can, I can visualize, you know, the, the faces of the people I'm going to be preaching to. And um, so that's a moment of just prayer and, you know, reordering some things and maybe getting some better application. And just, that's when the sermon becomes real to me in that particular moment. So, um, so right now that's how it's looking Sunday night. And then kind of being open during the week for if things kind of come to mind um, and then Saturday morning and then Sunday morning. And that's, that's kind of how it's working out for me. I'm, I don't spend a ton of hours on sermon prep. So it's not, I don't, I'm not one of those uh, 25 hour a week guys. I probably need to be, I'm not going to argue with anybody about that, but sort of where my, <laughs> where my life is at right now. I don't, I don't have those hours and I'm just, I'm a little bit, I, I, I don't, um, I, I don't enjoy um, time in front of the laptop. So a lot of times sermon prep for me happens with uh, a, a notepad, taking a, a walk through you know the woods behind our house. And so I do a lot of it in that format because it just I, do, I just don't enjoy yeah. the, uh, the intense on the desk, laptop open, two commentaries open. Um, that's not a great space for me. My mind kind of just that, that's not a creative space for my mind. And, um, so I kind of die at the vine a little bit if that's the vine I'm on. So I, I need to sort of get out and about, and that's usually my best, my best mode of operation, I think. But yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, some of that sounds terrifying to me. Um, some of it sounds (laughs) familiar. So I have some, some overlaps. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I I I, I kind of have things pretty finished up usually by Thursday or Friday, but then I, um, but then I also get up on Sundays at four as well. Um, and there is something that is either like a real 
Holy Spirit buzz that happens every morning at 4 a.m., every Sunday at 4 a.m., or if it's kind of a last-minute panic um, that mm-hmm. just, like, helps things really click into place when it's, you know, it's it's church is is today. It's not later in this week. This is the day. And yes. this sermon's got to be ready to prepare to the people who are I'm going to see in a few hours. And there is just something that makes it very real then when it's a little abstract um, throughout yes. the week, I find. Yeah, and that's a great word. And I and I I really I would, you know, to to prepare a sermon on a Monday to me is that is so abstract. There's just mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. it lacks energy and emotion and um it lacks, you know, it, there's there's a you know, at that at that time of the week, it's hard to even visualize, you know, um what it's going to be and 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 what it needs to be for me at least. And so, yeah, getting getting nearer to the end of the week, closer to the time that it's going to be preached. Yeah. There's just something. There's something about that in terms of the time that creates a different feel for me. So, yeah, on Mondays and Tuesdays, I'm just hopeless, you know, when it comes to to okay. sermon prep in those moments. And I'm jealous of the guys that are able to say, "No, I have it wrapped up every Tuesday afternoon." And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know how you do that," you know. But I, but that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's aspirational. Yeah. But God hasn't wired me that way, so it'll probably never be that way. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's things to, to learn and to maybe look up throughout the week. <clears throat> and that's always true. You know, like if you got to learn things about the Persian empire, that's going to be true on, on Wednesday morning or Thursday afternoon, like, you know, but then maybe there is that like Sunday morning dynamic where hopefully on Sunday morning, we're not looking up like, what does that Greek word mean? Or what's that, you know, like hopefully <laughs> right. that's all kind of locked in uh, and we're not learning any new information um, on Sunday yeah. mornings, you know, maybe the, the odd thing here or there, but that's, but it's kind of like, okay, here's what we have. How can I present this to my people later today um, in just a few precious hours? What's ways to bring this in a presentable way? Uh, so maybe the, yeah, the, the mining is done earlier in the week and then the, yeah. the, the presentation maybe is, is that Sunday morning. Yeah. I think that's, I think that sounds good. Yeah. I think it sounds good. Well, I, I, I want to invite you to join the uh, Sunday morning 4 a.m. club. Um, there's a, 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 another pastor in the UK, Simon Lawrenson. I interviewed him, and he he does much of his work Sunday at 4 a.m. So we call that episode the Sunday morning 4 a.m. club. Oh, that's so great. Are, I didn't know there was a club, so I'm, I'm part well, of it. It's the three of us, so <laughs> welcome. <laughs> um, well, okay, hey, kind of like wrapping wrapping up, or uh, or the last question I, I want to have, unless you have other things that you want to to bring up. Um, what are you trying to to improve in? So you probably haven't like arrived yet. Mm. Um, it sounds like you're becoming more comfortable in your own skin and with your own voice. But but what do you want to get better at? Oh man, I my aim is always, which is going to sound funny because I'm the least academic kind of preacher I know. Um, but my aim is always to, um, is to preach with, uh, you know, more conversational with more, uh, authentic vulnerability. And I think it's to put, put the spotlight heavier and heavier on Jesus. And I think, um, in all of my sermon prep, when, whenever I, whenever, whenever I remember who the sermon is actually about, which is Christ. And I have that moment in all my sermons that I have to be reminded of that things come together. Um, and I want, I want my sermons to be just more exalting of Jesus, um, more and more and more as they, as they continue. And, um, I want that to be just the, the focal point. And I think, you know, a lot of us who, you know, are committed to expository preaching would say, well, that that's, that's expository preaching. The, the spotlight is on Christ. You know, um, we're seeing Christ, you know, shine through all of our passages. Um, but yet, it's so easy to get bogged down in other things that really don't put Him, you know, in place of, in that place of you know supremacy. And so, that would really be my aim: is to just make Christ more beautiful and prominent and holy and lovely um, yeah. in, in all of my yeah. sermons, because I don't think He is enough. Um, in, in my preaching right now and, you know, to my shame. And so I want to improve in that, you know, I want my heart to be so, uh, to be so drawn and turned towards him, even in my prep that I just, I can't stop talking about him through every, you know, point and every word of, of the passage, you know, so that, that really honestly would be, Hmm. I think the best goal I could possibly have because communication styles and, you know, studying and that, that stuff just, 
that stuff is a little more uh, academic in nature and that can yeah. be improved upon and it should be, and it can be for certainly for me. Yeah, um, yeah. But the other thing I think is what we're talking about in terms of what, you know, how, what the Holy Spirit uses to, uh, to draw people in and bring them from death to life. And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, to thank you. Thank you for that honesty. And thank you for that vulnerability, even to, to affirm you the most recent sermon that I heard from you, which was, I think actually the most recent sermon that you preached was the end of James five. Oh boy. Okay. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And, you know, from mm. my recollection, you did a great job of talking about what that means and, you know, some stories of things that you've lost in your life and the people that brought them back to you. And then you encourage mm. people to go after their, you know, the, their friends that have strayed and, you know, just good, good, solid exegesis, you know, you're mm. doing a good job. And, and oh, then, thanks. and y- yes. And then you were like, but you know what? this sermon is about going after wanderers, but this is not so much how you need to go after the wanderers. It's that, you know, Jesus is the one who never mm. wanders and he's the one who's gone after you. And mm. he's got, and I was listening. I was like, Oh, I was like, yes, that's such good news. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, I was actually sitting at this desk listening to it. And, and I, I had a, a moment of worship where I was like, mm. oh, you know, it's true. Like he never wanders. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. And though I leave and forsake him, he's the one that pursues me. And so, yes, oh, I'm, I'm charged to go after my old friends. And, uh, you know. Oh, thanks, and, Mike. That's really Lord, encouraging. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So, so it, it's, yeah. So you got it. You, you inspired me to worship. And, um, you know, I, I'm thankful for the, the men and women at Substance Church that get to hear and be, be led mm. in that. So, but I, I, I hear what you're saying. We could always use more of that, huh? <laughs> or, or, or there could be somebody who does a faithful expositional preaching of that passage and doesn't include that. And you probably won't find that in a lot of commentaries because that's not really, you know, um, that's the sort of thing that I think that true expository preaching doesn't just go through finding sinners, cross-reference to sinners being found, but then remembers this is Christian literature. This is part of the Bible. (laughs) So we need to see this as part of like Mm. the great part of what Christ has done for us. Uh, That's well said. Well said. Yeah. Well, you said it. I'm just repeating what you said. <laughs> well, it's encouraging because I, I walked away thinking, well, I sure ended that sermon pretty poorly. That was one of my least favorite sermons in the in the series that I. Are done. you kidding me? No, oh, yeah, no. not at all. And uh, so, you know, you just and again, that was my opinion of it, which doesn't yeah. amount to a whole lot in terms of my preaching. But you know, that's encouraging to hear you say that because you know, at the end of the day, um, man, I'm not I'm not that great of a preacher, and I I wish I was better. And by God's grace, hopefully I'll improve. I enjoy it. I love it. Um, but I also know that I'm, I'm not that fantastic. And that's not self-deprecation. It's just kind of looking in the mirror and going, man, there's a lot of great preachers out there. I'm not in that, I'm not in that category. But God has given me this particular group of people. And he's called me of all people mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, to share the good news of Jesus. And so occasionally you get a word like you just gave me and you go, Okay, I can mm. do it another week. I can do it. Somebody, somebody got something <laughs> there that I didn't even get, you know. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, well, you you blessed somebody in Ireland. So, <laughs> and I'm, I'm betting people in there the room too. I'm betting people in the room uh, as well. Well, I think that's that's a pretty a pretty great thing. Uh, last bonus question. Bonus question. What has the world of like hardcore punk and underground music? How has that helped you to be a better pastor? Oh man. Um, it's, it's helped me to not be so rigid and know that people are in, they have stories and they're on journeys and to show more grace and, and be more patient like Jesus. And so seeing that being in that, having been in that world, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the world that Jesus, that Jesus traveled in a lot of ways as well. So, um, yeah, more, more grace, and, and more uh, Christ-like compassion. Wow. Well, I always get excited when there's other middle-aged punk rockers that are um, <laughs> serving the Lord. So that's exciting. So I wanted to, to cram that in there. Um, all right. Well, hey, thanks. Thanks so much, Ronnie. I, I really value your time. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Well, thanks again, Ronnie. Really appreciate your honesty 
your openness. Uh, you have encouraged me, not just through your preaching, but through that conversation as well. I've been mentioning this for the past couple of episodes. Um, did you know that in the show notes, in addition to links to Ronnie's uh, children's book on Advent and also the Art of Pastoring podcast and other things, there also are links to other episodes of this podcast. I'm going to highlight one of them to you right now. Um, Ronnie and I spoke about how the Psalms tend to be our summer go-to passages um, for our churches and probably for yours too. There are There's a brilliant two-part series, a, a long-form conversation uh, that I had with Lindsay Kennedy about how to preach the Psalms. And if you are considering, like I am, adding a few Psalms into the summer to stretch it out before you start your main September series, um, make sure that you listen to those interviews first. They're really going to help you think through how to teach and preach the Psalms as Christian literature. So make sure that you check those links out in the show notes. Also, make sure that you're subscribed because next week's episode is so good. I speak with uh, Dr. Jonathan Pennington um, about his book, Small Preaching, uh, 25 Little Things You Can Do Now to Become a Better Preacher. Uh, this guy has so much experience, so much wisdom. Uh, make sure that you're subscribed so that you hear it. All right, I'm going to leave you with an invitation from Nick to the great state of Colorado for our in-person training event taking place September 17th and 18th. All right, God bless. This is Nick Cady inviting you to the Expositors Collective Training Weekend coming up on September 17th and 18th in Colorado Springs, Colorado. This will be our first in-person gathering since the pandemic, and we are so excited to get together again for this 24-hour immersive experience, which will help you grow in your private study and your public proclamation of God's Word. We also have an option this time for you to join us online if you aren't able to come in person. This event is open to men and women ages 18 through 34, who want to grow in their ability to preach and teach the Bible. We'll have everything from outlining help to sermon prep resources. We'll be learning in small groups with hands-on application and help from seasoned Bible teachers. You don't want to miss it. September 17th and 18th in Colorado Springs. More information and registration is available on our website, expositorscollective.com. Hope to see you there.